thanks. Good to be with you. I lost a little track of time. I was actually watching the Little League World Series on my phone over there. So, uh, uh, I'm kidding. I wasn't. I was singing. Uh, yeah. But I'm happy for your community. That's kind of exciting. It's fun to see all that. I love that. Um, always fun to be here. I, uh, you know, I laugh to myself, and I, I've said this last time I was here, but you know, Kevin Pike was my uh, small group leader when I was a sophomore in high school. And so when I became a Christian, he was my small group leader. So it's, it's always funny to me that I'm getting here to kind of step in uh, for him when he's not here. And I love Lo. Lo's one of the great guys. Uh, great guy. And then and Jairus, even last week, he, was, uh, he comes up to me. He knows I go to UCLA football games all the time. He goes, hey, man, whenever you go up to a game or something, let me know. I'd love to go. And I go, yeah, I like this guy. You know, funky little accent, but I like the guy, you know. <laughs> so you guys have a great, uh, you got a great team here. Let me... Um, let me pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll get going. God, we are here to, uh, we're here to hear from you, Lord. Um, I just pray, Lord, that you'll speak to the hearts of everyone here, that you will just uh, maybe just give them one thing as they step away um, this morning that you want them to either learn or listen to or know or be comforted by or be challenged with, or whatever that is, God. And I pray, Lord, that as we step out of here, we can be more like you, we can be more drawn to you, and people can see you through us. Thank you, Lord, for um, just the privilege of being here together. Thank you for the privilege I have of of being up here and with these great people. In Jesus' name, amen. I have two friends on my street, and they're both pastors. And and, uh, we were out out running some time ago, and we're running up in the hills, and I kind of, I kind of, I, I, I kind of back up to a uh, kind of like a big open area in Shady Canyon and Irvine and everything like that. So we're out running, and we're running, we're going for a long time, and then we're kind of hopping, uh, we're kind of hopping fences, and we keep running up in the hills, and we keep going, the three of us. And um, so we're out there pretty good. It sounds like we're better runners than we are. We're really not. I mean, we're like, we're walking slash running. It's just probably an excuse to get out of the house and not do chores, stuff like that. So we are guys on a long walk slash run. And, and as we get up into the hills and everything, we're kind of off the beaten path a little bit, we start to smell something funny. Kind of like, gosh, what is that? Like, you know, the, the smell of like, it would be like, you know, mayonnaise if it's out in the sun or something like that. And so we're smelling that. We're going, wow, there's something going on here. That doesn't really smell right. And, and as we keep going, we hear something in the brush, you know, something heavy-footed. You know, and I've, I've seen, you know, I hear rabbits or I've seen like coyotes and stuff. But it was like something like has a little weight to it. And if we were in, like, eastern Washington, you immediately go to, like, Bigfoot. You know, there's something that has that kind of feeling to it. But it's a four-legged thing, and, and, we, um, and we're kind of, we're hearing this thing. We're going, what the heck is that? And it's at this point where the three of us, we're kind of, we're jockeying for position, kind of like to, you know, kind of, we're kind of moving out of the way, not to be the one that kind of wants to hide behind the other guy, but we're, we're a little bit of that. And it's at that point where I'm glad I'm running with two pastors, um, because, you know, as the story goes, I don't have to outrun whatever that comes out of there. I just got to outrun one of these two guys, and so <laughs> that works for me, too. So we kind of we sneak our way away, and we got a little bit better pace on the way out than we had on the way in. Um, but we never saw it. Uh, two days later, um, next door, a dog in the backyard got attacked by something. Never saw it. Um, Three days after that, I'm sitting in the back of my house, and all of a sudden there's a blur that goes back at, by at night. And, and I see it kind of something go over the fence next door, and I run next door, and I hear a skirmish between something and, the, and my buddy's dog, my next-door neighbor, and he goes, something just came and, and took our small dog and drug it over the fence. Um, 
Three days later after that, um, the park ranger from Bomber Canyon came and returned uh, the collar of the dog. Like that helps. Um, but it was interesting because we all, kind of, we all have dogs and we kind of all kept them close. We all have small kids, we all kept them close. We're like, there's something out there. There's something scaring the neighborhood wreaking havoc. The Bible talks about something spiritual that comes and wreaks havoc in our life. Something that's out there, we can't necessarily see it. But it wants to impact our life. It wants to impact the things that we say, the things that we look at. It wants to impact our family. It wants to impact our kids. Wants to impact our morality, our purity, our future. Wants to take us out physically. Wants to take us out emotionally. Wants to take us out relationally. The Bible talks about this, that there is something out there. As we look in Ephesians, and as we end up the book, we're seeing that Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6. It says this, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God that you, so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is saying, you know what, we oftentimes think our battle is against flesh and blood. But he's saying our battle is against something out there that we can't see. We can't see it with a microscope. Can't see it with night vision goggles. Maybe just maybe the only way that we can see it is, is through a rearview mirror. You know, there's times in your life when you think to yourself, I can't believe I did that. Or there's times in life where we're like, what was I thinking? Or what part of me thought that that was a good idea? Or how could I have been so confused? Or how can I have been so deceived? And maybe it's not something that you've seen in a rearview mirror. Maybe it's something that you're experiencing right now. Or maybe you look at your loved ones or people that you know or your family members or your kids and you're thinking, what are they doing? What are they thinking? What part of them actually thinks that that's a good idea? How could they possibly be so deceived and so confused? And I'll tell you why. It's because there's something out there. There's something out there that wants to bring us trouble, that wants to deceive us, that wants to confuse us. We will never see it. We will never see him. But he is out there. Last week, I was uh, sleeping on the couch. Um, not because my wife was mad at me, I snore. Um, so I'm sleeping on the couch last week, and all of a sudden, we have a flat roof on our house. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I hear, and I jump off the couch, and I run to the front. And I open the door, and as I open the door, I am face-to-face -face with the biggest bobcat I've ever seen, just right there at my face. And it doesn't even budge. I mean, it like spits at me, like, you know, you know. <laughs> And so I back up, I shut the door, I look out the window at it. Um, you know our adversary that we're up against? He'll never show his face. He'll never show his hand. His job is to bring us trouble, but not scare us so much so as we run away. He will never be obvious. Because if he is obvious, we will see him for what he truly is and who he truly is. And we will turn our back and we will run. Jesus talks about this. He talks about this unseen world, and he says this in John 8. It says in verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. So he's talking to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and they don't believe who Jesus is. 
So they're like, yeah, you're not who you, 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 you say that you are. So he says, if God were your father, you would love me, for I've come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He is a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Jesus believes that there is an entity. Jesus believes that there's a person. Jesus believes that this person is a murderer. Jesus believes that this person takes us out by deception, by lies. Jesus believes this person is the devil or, 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 or Satan. Paul says in Scripture five times that we are up against this dark world. So we are up against this dark spiritual world. Now maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm glad we're talking about this. We never talk about this stuff. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, hmm, someone interesting, tell me more. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, this is exactly why I don't go to church. Right? I get it. Satan, devil, like little red outfit, little horns, nice tail, pitchfork. I get it. You know, I, I don't quite understand it. I believe it. You know, I don't go home and see the lights flickering. I don't see chairs moving around. You know, I've seen the movies. I don't see chairs moving around like the, you know, like, like, like the kitchen. I don't go in one of our rooms and the cross is upside down. You know, I don't see that stuff. But here's the reality. Paul talks about it, says it's true. Jesus talks about it, says it's true. Do I quite understand it? No. But do I believe them that there is something out there that wants to take us out? The answer is yes. Now you hear words like deceiver. You hear words like liar. You hear words like lurking. Words like murderer. Maybe you're like me. You start to think you're mildly concerned. This is, wow, this is kind of scary. Little, con, little concerning. You know, I, I'm like you. I, I'd feel those same things. I remember growing up. Growing up, uh, the, uh, the evil ent entity was the Soviet Union. You know, when you grew up, you, you know, we were all afraid of the Soviet Union. You know, we, all we heard about was, like, all the, all the submarines they had and all the troops they had and, 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 the, and the big thing, all the nuclear weapons. You know, you hear all these things as a kid growing up. And all I think about to myself was, um, just tell me we got more, right? Bottom line, just tell me we win. So we hear these things, and I just want to remind you and let you know, scary, daunting, but, but we win. We win. There's nothing more powerful than God. God is the creator of all. God holds the world in his hands. Uh, Satan does not, he is not in the same league. Uh, to put it in NBA terms, he is no Michael Jordan. I mean, uh, when you look at this, um, we win. There is no doubt about it. God is all-powerful. God is control. We are on the winning team. It's so important to remember that. Nowadays, when I uh, watch um, sporting events, I tape everything. I tape everything because when I get home, I want to see if the team I want, uh, wanted won, and I want to see if it's worth watching. <laughs> so like two weeks ago, I'm watching the PGA Championship. It was like a big golf thing. And I'm watching the end of it because I taped it. And I watched this young guy win for the first time, and it was really exciting. So I rewind back to the ninth hole. 
And I'm watching the ninth hole, and I was right around the 11th hole, this guy who wins, he's actually, he gets a triple bogey. He's actually five, like five shots back at this point. And you, I'm just watching him melt down and kind of anguish over things. And I wanted to yell on the TV, I've seen the ending. You win. Don't worry. No problem. What's sweating this? Same thing with us. In the end, we win. In the end, we win. That's what's so great about the Bible. You can see the ending. There's a, there's a place for Satan called hell, which he is landing in eternally. You know what? This is not just an eternal victory, though. We have a victory here and now. We win here and now. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians, Ephesians 6. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. It's because this, be strong in the Lord because his power wins out. You know, we've been studying the book of Ephesians. And if you look at the book of Ephesians, all the things we've been studying and listening and hearing about, the, the idea is this, is that we win. The book of Ephesians could be called, we win. Think about all the things that we realize in the book of Ephesians. We realize that we are rescued from death to life. We have been redeemed. We have been made new. We are secure in Christ. We are a masterpiece. We have an eternal inheritance. We are powered by the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, it's we win. We win. We win. You know, Paul doesn't come on the scene and like start off with, hey, we're in a battle and let's hope we win. Paul sets the stage all through the book and says, we win. We got the strength. We got God. We can lean on him. He's saying all these things. Guys, we win. But I just want to remind you that there is something out there, that we are in a battle. And he's saying, you cling to God. You hold on to God because God will get us through because we win. You know, Jesus doesn't just talk about Satan. Jesus actually has an encounter, an experience with Satan. And it says this in Matthew 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus fed 5,000 people with a couple of fish and some bread. This isn't about being hungry. This isn't about, you know, getting your stomach filled. This is about who you're going to rely on, who you're going to trust in, who are you going to depend on. And Jesus responds to Satan. He responds and he takes him back to an Old Testament story. He takes him back to the Old Testament where the nation of Israel is led out of captivity, in captivity by the Egyptians for 400 years, and they're on their way to the promised land. And as they are making their way to the promised land, as they're in the, the wilderness, God provides for them something called manna. Every morning they wake up, and on the ground there'd be, there'd be manna, which was like this bready substance. And it was this picture for the people that God is dependable, that God is reliable, that God takes care of your needs, and before the Israelites go into the promised land, Moses, he gathers them all together. And he gets all the people together and he says, now you're going to go in there. And you're going to start building houses. And he says, you're going to start to be tempted to rely on your own strength. Never forget. Never forget that God is dependable. That God came through for you. That God is trustworthy. So Jesus might be looking at Satan, might be saying, yeah, Satan, you know what? Yeah, I'm hungry. Just like we would look at Satan and go, you know what, Satan? Yeah, I'm tempted. Yeah, 
I'm lonely. Yeah, things seem hopeless. Yeah, that looks fun. Yeah, I know, everybody's doing it. Yeah, I know, I feel that way. But Jesus looks at Satan and goes, you know what, Satan? God has shown over hundreds, hundreds, thousands of years that God has showed himself reliable and trustworthy to his people as they call out to him in in their time of need. God will do the same for me. I'm not going to bypass God. I'm going to depend and rely on the Father. And that's our, depend, that's, our, that's our temptation. Depend on ourselves. You know, rely on ourselves. A couple weeks ago, I'm cutting the lawn, and my son comes up to me and goes, hey, can, can I help you? And I say, no, nah, I got it maybe a little later. And, and as I think about that, I do the same thing with God. God, I got it. God, let me tell you, I'm going to put you right here. I'll let you know when I need you. You, you just stay right here. And, you know, things are kind of good, but I'm going I'm to need you. But I just want, you know, I do that with God all the time. I got it. All good. Kind of on a roll here. Things are going fine. I'll let you know when I need you. Depend on myself. You know, and we all have times in our lives where we tend to depend on ourselves. For me, it's when there's money in the bank. Like, we're not rich. But it's like when we can make it that month and feel like, oh, we made it this month. You know, I'm like, you know, God's like a non-factor sometimes. I got four kids. When there's harmony, you know, when we're kind of getting along, you know, you know God's kind of over, over here a little bit. What are, as you think about your life, what are the times where you just tend to, you know, handle life on your own and forget about God? Because we all have those reasons, those times in our life. That's the temptation. The temptation is take care of yourself, leave God out of the equation. I want to challenge you. What if you woke up every morning? What if you woke up every morning and thought, God, I'm, I'm going to depend on you today. God, I've been, I've been thinking about handling, I, I've been handling everything. You've been a non-factor. I'm going to depend on you today. Now there's a second temptation. It says this in verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So the devil takes Jesus up in the temple. And and looking down, like over, like this would be where like all the religious leaders and everything. So the devil's essentially saying, hey, Jesus, see all those religious people? They're not going to believe in you. You know, they're going to think you're one of those religious fanatics that keeps coming on the scene every now and then. This is what you should do. Jump down. Do something drastic. Do something risky. Make a splash. Make a, she- make a scene. Show them who you really are. The devil's taking Jesus up there and says, do something reckless and risky and go after it and just do it. Look how Jesus responds. Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan says, take a chance. Satan says, go out on a limb. Satan says, force God's hand. Go do something stupid and make God have to respond. God will take care of you. It's like in high school, you know, when, I, you know, maybe you were like me, you'd, you'd get with your buddies or something, and you'd, you'd kind of talk about doing something stupid. You know, it was dumb. Not just dumb, but it was like probably maybe even illegal. And, and it was always like for me, it's like, please go do it. It'll be good. You know, something like that. And, so, and then there's always one guy in the group that says, don't worry, my dad's a lawyer. Yeah, right? Yeah, we got it. So... Same thing, go do something dumb. 
Your God will save you. Your God will come through for you. If your God really loves you, he'll take care of you. Or how about this? Or if he doesn't, then it's like, see, he never was even there. He never really cared. Do something reckless. And if he doesn't save you, you know what? It's because he doesn't love you. Two weeks ago, I'm driving in my car. And as I'm driving in my car, I'm going to this wedding rehearsal. And as I'm driving, I'm, I'm, like, I'm pastor of the day. Now, pastor of the day is like, it's like when the important calls come in, you get them and you answer them and things like that. So I'm pastor of the day, and all of a sudden, as I'm driving, I get a call. And so I don't have Bluetooth. My wife's been bugging me with the Bluetooth stuff and everything like that. And so, um, so I don't have it. And so I, I get the call. And I go, wow, pastor of the day. So I'm going to answer it, and there's a policeman right next to me driving. So I'm like, man, I'm a, I'm a pastor. This is a pastor of the day. Certainly nothing's going to happen, you know. So I answer the phone, and I'm talking to the guy. and turn the cops gone. Everything else good. And then I look up in the rearview mirror. Lights are, you know, flashing. Guy pulls me over. I put it on speakerphone, trying to let him think I'm in, like, some life or death. You know, I'm talking to this guy off a lot. You know, I had to answer, you know. And he didn't buy it, so he gives me a ticket. And, uh, but we do that all the time. Do something reckless. Do something... God loves me. I'm a pastor. It's a pastor of the day call. Certainly he'll come through. Do something stupid. But we'll do it all the time. I know he's not, I know he's not a Christian. I know she's not a Christian. And I know I'm marrying him. I know. But God will turn their heart. God, God will do something in their lives. God, will, God loves me. He'll do something. I know we are out of control financially. I know we're being dumb. I know we're, we're racking up the debt. But God loves us, and he would, never, he would never let this get too out of control. He would never. I know we're being st- stupid. I know I'm being reckless on the weekends. I know I'm going too far with him or too far with her. God would never have her get pregnant. Never. I mean, he loves me. I mean, he's with me. And that's what Satan does to us. Do something reckless. Be stupid. It's okay. God loves you. Is there any place in your life where you think to yourself, you know, we're being reckless and dumb. And we keep doing it because we think God loves us and we are forcing his hand to save us. Or maybe you've done something dumb and you don't feel like God came through for you and you're hearing Satan whisper in your ear, it's because he doesn't love you. See, I told you he wasn't there. These are the temptations that we feel from the evil one. Now, there's a third temptation. And it says this, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He's saying this, Jesus, it's just you and me. No one's looking. No one will know. Just bow down and worship me. And you can have it all. Yeah, that's why you came. You're going to have it all anyway. Why not just grab it now? Bypass the cross. Bypass all that pain, all that ridicule. Think all that blood. Bypass all of that, and you can have it right now. Satan says, the heck with this God the Father stuff. The heck with all this church stuff. The heck with, like, God's time. You just grab it, and you grab it right now. And we do it all the time. If I don't have it now... If I don't make it happen right now, it won't happen. I know it doesn't seem like the right timing or God's, but I need it now. And so maybe we just cut a few corners. Just fudge a little here. 
thinking if I don't do this, uh, I won't get the job. I won't get the deal. Our kids won't get into college. And we hear these things all the time. What is maybe something in your life, and it might even be a good thing, where you're just cutting corners just a little just to make it happen and happen now and make it happen the way you want it to happen. And you're kind of bypassing God or just pushing him off to the side. Now, it's so interesting when Satan goes after Jesus. Look what it says in verse 2. It says, for 40 days and 40 nights he ate nothing and became very hungry. So he's fasted for 40 days, he's hungry, and then he's going to be tempted by something to eat. Satan does that. He comes after us when we're weakened, when we're depleted. He comes after us when we're vulnerable. Sometimes our temptations aren't necessarily what the temptations are, but when they actually come. It's when we actually experience them. When are you most vulnerable? Well, for me, it's when work's not going good, I go to a dark, I'm in a crummy, dark place. I'm very vulnerable. When me and my wife aren't getting along and we're disconnected, I'm vulnerable. Maybe life's not going great, but life's not going bad, and I'm just bored. I'm just, you know, I got nothing. I'm, yeah. When are you vulnerable? Maybe it's when you travel. Maybe it's when you feel like things are hopeless. Maybe it's when you feel lonely. Maybe it's when you're with a certain person. You're at a certain place, a certain time of the week, when certain things happen. When do you feel most vulnerable? And you know what he'll do? He'll go after us for our insecurities, right? We know, every one of you sitting there, I know, we all know where we're insecure. Satan will come after us when we're vulnerable, and he'll go after what you're insecure about. For me, it's providing for my family. I'm insecure as a provider. It's what all skies want to do. We want to take care of our families. But my wife will, like, talk about other families and the trip that they go on, and I'm thinking, we, we, can't, we don't do that. And, and what I hear is she thinks, you're, she thinks you're lame. She thinks you're a crummy provider. Or she'll talk about money, and all I, all I hear where my insecurity is, see, you can't take care of your family. See, you can't take, where do you feel insecure? I just bought a Prius. Yeah, I went out and got a Prius. <laughs> and I get out of my Prius, and people laugh at me. I mean, they're like, what, you're in a Prius? Like, what? And, and I, I know I'm shallow, but, uh, you know, I get a little of my self-esteem by, from what I drive. So I used to have a Tahoe and feel good about myself. But I get out of my little Prius, and people laugh at me. And, and, and I think, about, you're such a whip. That's what I hear. You're not only a pastor, but you drive an electric car. I mean, how pathetic are you? Those are the things that we hear. We're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. My friend, my, my son has, uh, two, uh, my two boys had a friend over, and they're watching some TV show, and it's talking about a pastor. As he talks about a pastor, it's talking about how... Um, how oh, the pastor's a geek, and, my, and the friend goes, pastor's a geek, and my boys, my boys laugh. And I think to myself, they think you're a geek? And we do that. We hear these things. Satan comes after us where we feel insecure, where we feel vulnerable. And when he comes after us, the, the vulnerability and the insecurity are always just lies that he tries to tell us. He'll go after us with his greatest ploy, it is the lie. 
John 8, 44. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He is a schemer. He is a liar. He'll go after when you're vulnerable. He'll go after with you insecure. He'll just do little lies. That's what, that's what the passage says. So I'm on the computer, little pop-up, see movie star in lingerie. Little lies. It's just lingerie. Or, wonder who it is. I mean, aren't you kind of curious who it is? You know? And then you got to click it. No, not bite. Not. It is a lie. I'm leaving the supermarket. And as I'm leaving the supermarket, there's a bag. Of, you know how you got that bottom run thing? And I got a bag of ice down there. And I paid for everything, but I got a bag of ice. And I'm going to my car, and I've forgotten. You know? And I'm looking at it, and, I'm, and the lies are, um, how many times do you overpay? I mean, how many times do they charge you? You know, don't worry about it. And I turn around and go back. This is Satan's ploy. Go after you when you're vulnerable. Go after your insecurities and go after you with lies. What are the lies that you believe? What are the lies that you believe? You're no good. You're a crummy provider. Future is bleak. You're not very pretty. Everybody's doing it. It's just this once. It'll be fun. That's what people your age should do. Leave God out of it. What are the lies that you believe? And when you hear those lies, you call them for what they are. And, and, you, and you, you identify from where they're from. That there's something out there that wants to speak these lies. And Jesus says when he talks about lies, he also talks about a truth. And not only do you identify the lie, but you shout it back with the truth. Shout it back with the truth. When I think to myself, I'm a crummy provider, you know what? I make enough money. I work my tail off. We have money. And with four kids, and life's just crazy. And it's like, but it's not because of me. That's a, that is a lie. And I have to shout it back with the truth. When I think about my Prius, uh, my Prius is, I get 49 miles to the gallon. I mean, how awesome is that? Huh? Eat your heart out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm smart. I know it's a stupid little car, and I don't feel good at it, whatever, but it's a smart thing. You know, I'm not a geek to my kids. Last week, my son was going to junior high camp. Before he left for camp, he invited me over to meet his friends. And so my kids don't think I'm a geek. and think, They're proud of their dad. What are the lies that you believe? And what is the truth that comes behind them? Think about this. Think about the people you're close to, maybe a husband, wife, maybe a spouse, kids, friends, co-workers. They all have lies. And I bet you can guess what they are. You can guess what your spouse's lie would be, what your kid's lie would be, what your co And know what you do? You speak truth into them. You affirm them. You can understand where, what they're going and what they're thinking. You can understand how Satan would go after and speak truth in the people around you. Because they are hearing the same lies that you are hearing. Paul says this to us in Ephesians. And I read it and I'll read it again. Apostle Paul says this in 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul believed in the devil. Paul believed that he is the major enemy that we are faced against right now. Paul believes that when my wife and I disconnect, my enemy is not my wife. 
But there is a spiritual enemy that wants to do nothing more than take out our marriages and take out our families. Paul believes that when we have discontent or things are going on at work and we're getting, we, we don't want to get along with people, Paul believes that our foe is not that other person, but there is a schemer who wants nothing more than to create discontent and disharmony in your workplace so you are miserable and unhappy. Paul believes that there is an entity out there that wants to impact the things that you look at, the things that you say, your, your future, how, how, how hope-filled you feel. Paul believes that there's an enemy out there that wants to tell you that God doesn't matter, God doesn't love you, God doesn't care. God believes that there's, Paul believes that there's an enemy out there that, that wants to whisper lies to you. You're not pretty. They don't love you. It doesn't matter. It's just this. Paul believes all those things. And this is my prayer for you as it is my prayer for me. That when we hear those things, that when we feel those things, that we will call them for what they truly are and that we will realize where they truly come from and that you will not give in and that we will not bow down because we know who we are and we know whose we are. And we are not at the mercy of this schemer because we are God's. Because we are God's. And if we've learned anything in the book of Ephesians is that we win. We win every day. Let's pray. God, we confess to you that we do. We make this world, uh, we, make, we turn into flesh and blood, God, and we forget about the spiritual world and all that's going on around us, God. We, we confess and admit that to you, Lord. And give us the strength, God. We'll confess, Lord, that we can believe, but we don't even understand it. So just help us, Lord, to continue to clarify that in our heart as we are faced with, Lord, lies and, and schemes and we feel confused and we wonder where that comes from or what that, how could that possibly feel like a good... As we feel all these things, God, will you please give us the strength? We know that we have the strength in you. Give us the strength to stand firm, to run, to get away. We thank you, Lord, that we win. We not only win every day because of your power, but we win eternally because what you did on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen.